everybody. It's really good to have you here. We've got an opportunity to chat with Tyron Daniel, leader of NCMI, New Covenant Ministries team. And we just want to chat through some of the, the realities of church leadership, partnership around the world, what that looks like, how do we walk those things out. I know there's a lot of questions, and uh, obviously, Tyron, you're not coming to say I've got all the answers. That but is for sure. <laughs> God certainly uh, guided you and led you in this role, and we really would love to hear. I think probably one of the key ones I hear all the time is, we want to be a base church. And I think the question in that is there's a lot of misconceptions about what that is. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your heart and your uh, biblical perspective on what a base church truly is and how that works in partnership. Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity, uh, Chris. And obviously all of you have given us your time to listen. I think, as Chris said, it's good for you to hear that I don't believe I have all the answers. We've certainly walked some roads, but at the end of the day, it's a God thing and we're just trying to be biblical. So the things we talk about Please understand they are thoughts and perhaps biblical truths, but how you go about it, you've got to work out in God how that works. We can't tell you this is how to do it. And so please be aware of that. The other thing I'm also well aware of is that I'm learning more and more that experience is not necessarily uh, godly wisdom or even heavenly wisdom. Yeah. And so in saying that, we've got some lessons we've learned in our 40 years, and obviously many have gone before us and pioneered and experienced and shown us the way. In saying that because it worked in our past doesn't necessarily mean that's the way to go forward. Mm. Same truths. I think our biggest challenge is finding the, the ways in God to reach out and embrace more people and to reach more of the people we haven't reached in the regions and the seasons and generations before. So just to throw that out there, I'm not expert in this. We can learn from a lot of guys. A lot of what I'm talking about today and we're talking about is we've learned from others. But most of all, we want to be biblical and see what it means in Scripture. Sure. Uh, as for base churches, you said a lot of guys are asking. I'm not sure a lot, enough guys are asking mm -hmm. or yeah. saying they want to be a base. And I say that carefully, but I do believe that a base church, while the, uh, the word base doesn't exist in the Bible, the concept or the reality of, of what that means is evident right through Scripture, certainly in the New Testament, uh, through every local church. And uh, I'm not sure if we, NCMI, or... I think it could have been us, but we've coined that. We, we've latched onto that that name or phrase as yeah. a base church. And and let me just say about a base church for a few moments is that actually when you look at what God's done with us in our ranks in the 40 years plus, it's been phenomenal. And when I think about the nations and the regions, I'm again, not, well, look how, look how awesome we are. It's been the goodness of God. Yeah. But it's also been people who've understood the mandate and have built accordingly. And so a lot of the churches that have functioned and still to this day function as base churches have been so uh, strategic in helping us be where we are and do what we're doing today. Right. And in saying that, I think as we've kind of praying and processing the future God has and the region still to be reached, the city still to be won, and, and the, the call that still lies ahead of us, it's God's requiring of us to not just rely on the bases we've got, but actually to... To, to establish and plant more bases everywhere all the time. Right. And so that's why this is essential, not just look at our history, but this is about our future. And that's what we're about. We celebrate what God's done. But man, there's a whole lot more. And part of our role, my role is leading NCMIs, what's still to be done and what does God still want to do? So we want to honor our past. We want to recognize it. We want to thank those who are doing it. But we also know there's more to be done. And so sure. I think that's why the subject of base church is so essential. Um, there are many scriptures that we can look at 
And again, maybe we can get into some of the ingredients of a base somewhere sometime. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and there's many churches you can look at as illustrations. I think Jerusalem had a, the church, early church was birthed as a base. And obviously you see the local church's responsibility and the love for one another and the generosity and all those things in Acts chapter 2 and 3. We see the church operating and also the outward focus to reach a city. Uh, but then obviously in Acts chapter 8, there's the, the, the scattering of the church. And, mm. and I think that's a good thing. I mean, again, I'm sure it was painful for the guys, but God was determined that, as you see in Acts chapter 1, uh, you, you'll receive power to be my uh, witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the right. earth. That is the mandate from God. That's from Genesis right through to Revelation and everything in between. This great commission is to go beyond, not just in our city. And I think the early church was doing really well in the city, in the city and they were reaching the city and outward focused and generous. And, but it's, the persecution came and out of it, it scattered the gospel outside of the walls of Jerusalem, which clearly was God's intention from the outset. And so we saw other churches established through the book of Acts, other churches being planted, Paul planting Ephesus. You see all those churches. I think for me, one of the key churches to look at again is one in Antioch. And I've been studying through the just... Uh, the book of Acts and looking at this Antioch church and it's actually mind-blowing what God did through those people and even how who planted and who started it I mean it's just a phenomenal thing it's not emphasizing who did what it's emphasizing what God did and with the people right. who were focused on getting the gospel out serving God being faithful in it and I think it's good somewhere for us to look at some of those ingredients from that local church yeah. but if I can say this Chris just to back up uh, the more I think about base and pray through this which is is big on our hearts certainly believe it's on the heart of god as we kind of go forward into the future god has in its simplicity i believe a base church is it's got to be two things it's got to have the heart to be in a, a base and you've got to be intentional about being a base right uh, and to me a base church is simply a church that exists for the benefit of others hmm. which is a heart and an intentionality you can't just have a heart and not do it, but you can't just do it without the heart. And I think right. some guys are, have the heart for it, but are not interested in doing it. Others are trying to do it without the heart, and, and it doesn't work. And so if that is what a base is, then surely every local church should be a base. Right. Every local church should have a heart to be a blessing to everyone else. They're not the focus. It's back to the revelation of the King Jesus and His kingdom advancing in and through who we are. And so... I think it's coming back to the understanding that we exist for the benefit of others. Now, we all know Rick Warren's quote that he put out there many, many years ago, where he did that interview with all these believers around, I think, this, this, uh, the U.S., yeah. and came back with this thing asking the church, why does the church exist? And 89% of the church said that the church exists for us and our family. So right there, if that be the truth, then the majority of churches will never be bases and don't mm -hmm. even expect to be. And if those are statistics, while I'm not a statistics guy, I think, gee, that shows that what we're trying to do, what God's called us to, what the church should be doing, we're really going against the culture. Yeah, and that was true. many years back. So I don't know what's happening today, whether that has shifted. I think it has. Um, I mean, I'm, we are saying a whole lot of things, yeah? yeah but I do think if you look at the world today or the church today, I, I don't believe... Um, that self-indulgence is the problem with the church today. I mm. feel like the church has shifted its focus back to the mandate and the mission globally. Now, mm. you can find me on that, but just from what I've seen from where we've gone, people are getting back to being serious about 
getting on with the kingdom of God, which is awesome. Good. So yeah. it's not self-indulgence. I think our biggest challenge is actually self-sufficiency. Mm. And what I mean by that is that too many churches or people or believers today are getting on with the mission and the mandate, but they are doing it without God. Right. And to be honest, they're both as bad as each other. To, to, to be focused on yourself is dangerous, but to be focused on the mission, apart from doing it with God, is, is the danger. And so I, I've got to come back to say, um, you know, we've got to start at the beginning of Scripture for anything we do, including based churches. And you many have heard me chat about this and many others have. But if you go back to the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created, God spoke, God did it, God made it. And then in, in Genesis chapter, it says God made man. And God created man in his image and then in his likeness and he, he blessed. And if you look at the intention of God for people, and this is the understanding of partnership, that God made us with purpose. God, mm. um, he, he, he created man and woman equally in, 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 in who they are. We were both made in the image of God, man and woman. Right. Uh, we were made ultimately to have a relationship with God, which is the key to everything we do. Being a base, being a believer, God is a God of relationship. He made us. And I, I just want to say, I know it's obvious, but many churches have made mission or ministry or something the focus at the expense of the very reason we're created, and that's for relationship. Uh, Jesus came to restore right relationship back to God. It's about relationship with God. And uh, that's why God made us. And He made us in His image, in His likeness. So, number one, we've been made with relation, for relationship with God. Mm. And that includes relationship with each other and everything else. Uh, the other thing God said is... Um, is that we were made in His image. In other words, we are to reflect Him here. Hmm. We image bearers. Uh, and I think that's key and strategic in everything we do, even being a base church. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we, were, we see in the, in the book of Genesis is that we were created with responsibility. And this is where partnership kicks in. That we weren't just created to hang around and enjoy things. We were created with responsibility. Uh, and responsibility to, to reproduce, actually. Uh, and, and so I, I just look at those things and say, okay, we've been given this incredible privilege. God created us to connect with Him, to walk with Him. Even when man messed it up, God put a rescue plan in place to restore it all back to how He intended. So He right. didn't change it. He just got us back to how He intended. And yeah. that's the thing we've got to keep focusing on. So I'm clearly believing that we, everyone, has been made in the image of God, but we've also been made with a responsibility here on earth. And that's not do our thing and hope God's in it. That is functioning what God intended for us. So partnership with God is incredibly important. And I, I think a base will never be a base. And we lose the heart and intentionality of being a base. If we lose the biggest uh, partnership or the most important partnership. And that's our partnership with God. Sure, absolutely. So we can talk and we will about partnership with NCMI and team and even individuals partnering together. But if you focus on those two at the expense of the main ingredients, yeah. you lose heart and intentionality. Because then we make it about these things rather than about our partnership with God. And so yeah. I, I've come back to this. If we lose our understanding and revelation and we're not pursuing partnership with God, we'll never be a base. We don't need to be a base. There's no reason for us to exist for beyond ourselves. Right. There's no reason to be a people who exist for the benefit of others if it's about me and the Lord. But if it's about His plan, His purposes, I think it always keeps us with the big picture. And the big picture will always motivate us to be a people who are open-handed, releasing, resourcing, and wanting to involve what we've been entrusted with to fulfill the mandate God's given. So again, partnership with God is so strategic. 
and it's the reason we were created. And so for me, I'm getting back to that. Even in our ranks, you've heard. Mm. I think, again, as, as I've processed and prayed and not for strategy and I just got your heart in this, I feel like God's reminded us, me, us in our ranks in the NCMI, and I think everyone should be reminded again that, that actually we here to do what He's called us to. We're not here yeah. To, yeah. to ask God to be involved in what we're doing. And, uh, you know, the thing about partnership, the strategy, the key to any partnership is you've got to be all in. Uh, right. Partnership can't work. I love partnership. Uh, I think it's been God's intention as if we were created for partnership, but even I love all, co all partnership, and it's biblical and it's right. You can't function without it. But there's n the reason I think most people don't enjoy partnership is because it's one-sided. But if we catch the understanding of partnership, I always use this illustration that we were given. Uh, feel free to interject any time yeah, and ask us, Chris. But uh, when Nicole and I got married, uh, before we got married, you know, I was in full-time ministry. I was an elder in a local church, and I was on this tri-circle team. Right. And so this wonderful wife of mine-to-be, I thought, gee, it would be good for her to meet with some people who are kind of way beyond us in years in marriage, and they love each other, passionate about each other, this couple. And even today, I'm madly in love with each other. I'm very old, and it's amazing to see. And I thought it would be good for them to sit with Nicole, okay, and me, because I'm marrying her, but Nicole... And just explain to her what it's going to be like to be married to me, this man of God. Forgive my ignorance and absolute arrogance at the time. But that, that she, they should talk to her about what it's going to be like. To, and I just thought, Nicole's going to line up and get behind me and we're going to carry on hmm. with what it is. And we sat down at a meeting together and they said, they looked at myself and her and said, you're both getting married because you're selfish. And basically, this marriage will never work. Hmm. Now, obviously, that's not what I was... <laughs> intending or expecting yeah. and uh i was a bit taken by that and he went they went on to say tyron you getting married for what you can get from nicole and nicole you getting married for what you can get from tyron and if that's your heart to be honest it's selfish and the marriage can never work mm. and, and it hit me i thought that is true so he they went on to say look the only way for any marriage partnership to ever work is not to go in for what I can get, but to go in and say, what can I get? Can I suggest be givers rather than takers? Yeah. And uh, we've tried to do that 22 years of just trusting, and not that it's been perfect, but I've never forgotten that. And, and I want to suggest if that's true in marriage, that's true in every partnership. Yeah. And I think even when it comes to partnering with God, I mean, we're all about what God can do for us, but actually we can't do anything for God, but we're in partnership saying we want to bring what we've got to serve God's purpose. And plan. God's all in. Yeah. He's never held back. He's doing everything, done everything to make this thing work. He's given us His presence, His power. He's given us His blueprint. He's I mean, there's, there's nothing God hasn't... He's not withholding from us. Right. But I think too many of us are, what can God give us rather than how can we bring what, who we are, what we're doing, and partner with Him. And so for partnership to work, we've got to be all in. It's not what can I get, what can I bring. And so I think just again, back to partnering with God. This is a God thing. This is not a our thing. So how dare we make it our thing and decide we like this and we're going to hold back and, and not be open-handed. We're going to use what we've been given for our thing. No, no, no. It's all belonging to Him. And we want to keep bringing it to the thing of partnership and saying, you know, Lord, we, we want to use what we've been given to advance Your kingdom, to advance Your 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 uh, your purposes. We want to use it for Your plans. That's partnership, using what we have. This great text in Scripture, obviously, that shows where God's in control and that thing of vision and provision, it's all in there. Right. That God's vision will always come before His provision. And uh, we've got to be living in His vision for the provision to keep coming.
um, uh, you know, it's just right through scripture. I think for me, just looking at feeding of the 5,000 and all that, that's, that's us taking what we've got and trusting God to do what He can do. But together the job gets done. And I think too many are waiting for God to do it all or others, as I said earlier, are self-sufficient. We've got this, God. Right. Our five loaves and two fish, we got it. God's like, no, no, it's not enough. But when you take what you've got and you bring it to me and use it for what I've given you, you'll always have enough. And in actual fact, the, uh, Mark chapter 6, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, interesting, was that they had five loaves and two fish with what they started, which, to be honest, wasn't even enough for the disciples. Then after they used this for the kingdom and to feed everyone else, everyone else's needs, to, to, to take what we've got for the benefit of others. It says that 12 baskets were left over. They yeah. actually had more after they used it for the kingdom purpose than what they had before they started. So the point being is in partnership with God, we're going to keep on bringing it back to God. We're going to keep on making sure we're functioning. So local churches should have this heart. And we're in partnership with God. But this church exists. We as individuals exist for the plans and purposes of God. And we're in partnership with Him. And we get that this is a sacred thing. It's not a good idea. It's not a man thing. It's not something we've downloaded from a book or a, or a podcast. God gave birth to this thing in the church. It's a lampstand. Yeah. It belongs to Him. It's sacred. It, it, and when we lose that divine element, I think we're in serious trouble of losing the heart and intention of ever being a base because it becomes about us. Hmm. And as we've been challenged by texts like Joshua, um, you know, Joshua chapter 5 has really hit me recently and I've been preaching it, so forgive me if you heard me, but it's good to hear in context of these truths. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joshua's standing there and about to take this most fortified city. He doesn't know what to do. Like most leaders, if we're honest, we, what are we supposed to do, Lord? And he, was, he saw this man with a drawn sword, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 5. And, and so he goes up to the man and he says, are you for us or for our enemies? Which is a good question, makes sense. Uh, and, the, and the response was, neither. Which blows my mind because surely they're responding to God. They've been promised this inheritance. They crossed over the Jordan and are now promised this land. So surely that person standing there should say, I'm on your side. But that person didn't. That person said, neither. I'm not on your side. I think what it, that person was saying was, I'm not here to take sides. I'm actually here to take over. In other words, I'm not on your side. You're on my side. Right. Oh, and are you on my side? And, and I was like, suddenly, gee, that... That changes everything. Yeah. Um, and so for the question for us is, well, not is God with us, is God on our side, but actually are we still on His side? Hmm. And I mean, Joshua's response was, well, what's the command? <laughs> he said, I've come down as the captain of the army of the Lord. In other words, it was Jesus that scholars will tell us. And we know that because He was the commander of the army of the Lord and Joshua worshipped Him. And no angels worship. They, we don't worship angels. Uh, we worship Jesus. And so... He fell to the ground and worshipped him. He said, what is the command you bring? He said, take off your shoes, your sandals, because you're standing on holy ground. And so I feel like it's like God wanting to remind Joshua and us. And right through scripture, we see this, that God always brought people to him to realize first who the, he is and then what he's calling them to is a sacred thing. Hmm. It happens in Isaiah 6, in the other king as I died, I saw the Lord. The revelation, we also say an ascending chapter, but it was revelation of who God is first. And then I'm... I'm going to go in this sacred moment and live out this, this mandate. It comes from the sacred um, heart. And I think the same again, just with, I mean, we can go on and on here, but 
even in the New Testament, the Great Commission, which we, I love to talk about, it's one of the key reasons we as a team exist. I love to jump to verse 18 of Matthew 28, but verse 16 says that they saw Jesus, his disciples, and they worshipped him. And some doubted, and then Jesus said, all authority on earth has been given to me, now go make disciples. So the, the Great Commission was came out of a worshipping, seeing God. And, and I feel right through Scripture, that's, that's what we've got to understand, that this is a sacred thing. The local church is sacred. The stuff we're involved in is sacred. Leaders who lead local church, this belongs to God. And our role is to get our hands off it, and not make it our thing, but keep it a God thing. Uh, it gives us just the, the, the purpose and the reason for why we exist. Sure. And so again, in, in a long answer, I think the three key partnerships we've got to understand is our partnership with God, obviously our partnership with a translocal team, and you won't see the need for a local team, a translocal team, if you're not functioning in the bigness of what God called. Sure. Then it's just get a guy to come fulfill, come fill our pulpit. But if you understand the need to fulfill the mandate God's given us, the big picture, we're going to need these gifts to come help us we can't do it alone. We don't want to do it alone, and we need each other. And that's understanding all that partnership, which, again, is a lot of, maybe another teaching. But, but understanding the need for one another and the need for these gifts and the buy into the big picture of what we're doing globally, taking responsibility of this mandate to get the gospel out. So that big picture, relationship, uh, vision, doing this partnership with God, partnership with this team, and we our team's NCMI, so whatever team you're part of, but obviously with us, working with NCMI, you'll see the need of that partnership. Again, coming into, not, not what can I get? I mean, you get a whole lot when you partner with us, but it's bringing in what can we bring? Sure. What do we bring and what can we help to get this job done? Not flying the flag or building a brand or naming our thing. It's just about the kingdom working. Paul talks about this gospel partnership in Philippians chapter 1. And he says, hey, thanks God for this partnership, this koinonia that we have in getting this gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's the partnership we have um, um, with NCMI and the team and working in local churches. And if you make that the focus without the big picture, we lose that one. Sure. And then the last partnership, obviously, that we see in Scripture, well, there's many others, but the third partnership is individuals in partnership together in a local church. Sure. Most people, churches, make that partnership that yeah. exists as sure. a what. It'll never be a base. Never have a heart for functioning outside of who you are if that partnership is the most important. Other churches maybe buy into a big picture and they partner with NCMI. That's still not enough. Why do we need this? We've got to come back to the big revelation, most important relationship, most important partnership. That we partner with Him. For that to work, we partner with each other. And for that to work, individuals all play a role in partnering together to be a base, to exist for the benefit of others, to reach out. And, re and God will make sure the church is taken care of. So again, a long answer, and I know there's other points, but to me, I think we can talk ingredients and points and even truths and principles that we've talked about for years. They make no sense or they become the focus at the expense of the main yeah. reason we have it all. True. And so I'm convinced the devil's strategy is to just lower the state or get us to focus on our thing or, as we keep saying, the devil's desire is to destroy us. But he's only really been given the power to distract us. And I think he yeah. destroys us by distracting yeah. us and functioning in our thing, making it about our thing, and no longer serving the purposes of God. So a very long answer to, uh, good, uh, there's many more to, we can talk about if you want to keep asking stuff. 
But my, my honest, humble opinion, and again, as I've prayed and sought the Lord in this, in our ranks, I think if we keep those positions and understandings right in the right way, we'll never lose our heart or lose our intentionality. But if we begin to pursue all this other stuff, I'm not saying they're bad things, but they're going to add to this, not take away from this. Right. I don't think we'll see too many more churches birthed into being bases, and I think we should. So as you go, plant, and whatever you're involved in, it's not one day when we have resources, not one day when we have people. Um, it's We're going to go with the heart intention from day one. And we're going to be a people who are open-handed and who will release and resource. Um, you know, People have said to me, well, it depends on resources or how many people you have. That, that determines. And that's what I was going to ask you. You had mentioned... Yeah. Um, the disciples with the, the limited fish and bread to feed so many. And that thing of significance, the perspective in the world is yeah. numbers and money and facilities right. make you significant, valuable. And as we know, traveling the world, let's say the majority of churches are smaller in number, and yet at times feel like one day will become as if they're going to grow up and become something more. But I think it's what you've even touched on a little, if you could touch on it more, the significance of every church and that reality of being a base regardless of yeah. what you have, it's what you do with it. So, yeah, yeah, well, I think, again, just from observation, like you said, as we travel a lot and even speak to people, they, 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 most guys' hearts, I think, are good. I mean, I don't know about everyone, but most people want to serve God and do the right thing. Most churches have leaders want and have that heart. I do have that heart. I think the danger in it is that, like you said, we've been taught that if you are a certain size or you have a certain amount of resources, then you can function. And that's brilliant, except it's not biblical. And I think it's another way the devil just gets us to think one day, which will never be. So, you know, again, how big should your church be? I don't know, but I can't see that being the emphasis in the, in the scriptures for churches to function as bases. I have debated and questioned a lot of the guys around the world as I travel, and they would say, well, these are the base churches in our country, we believe. And I'll say, well, within our ranks. And I'll say, well, tell me what makes you say that. And they'll say, well, they got their own building, big building, they're serving, uh, they've got a lot of people, a lot of elders, they've got great resources and great finances. And I'm like, that's great, and those are awesome things. And we celebrate them, because without them, we obviously can't function. But in saying that, it doesn't mean they're a base because they have it. Right. A base is using what they have for the kingdom. So to have it doesn't mean you are it until you use it. Yeah. And I think that's the other side, is that a lot of churches that aren't, that significant in size or perception of how much they have or who most people would say well they're irrelevant but to be honest nothing's irrelevant in the economy of heaven and right. we honestly believe that because it's a divine thing but secondly i think some of those churches it's not about size but some smaller churches can actually function are, are functioning as ba more of a base than some of the churches that have everything and it's not a it's not a, like any church that's big must be compromising i don't believe that <laughs> And we got big churches in our ranks with resources that are functioning and God keeps yeah, adding. Yeah. But I do think we have to break this mentality. You've got to be a certain size. You've got to be a certain amount. I think there are churches that don't have many people and don't have the finances like other churches. Maybe don't even have facilities that are functioning as bases where many other churches that have everything are not functioning. And the yeah. difference is, what are we doing with what we've got? Very good. And so I, I just want to challenge you, if you're not thinking like that, you've got to begin to think like that. Otherwise, what's the point? You're going to, you're going to become an irrelevant people. I do believe that. I, maybe you'll serve the Lord. That's great. But you won't serve the purposes of God. Right. 
And I believe God's looking for churches that would be honestly open-handed. This is a season of release. We've talked about a lot of that. I feel God is releasing more of what He wants to give. But it's, I've, I, I'm challenged by that, that he, he will release it to those who are willing to release it. And that's resources, it's people, it's anointing, it's everything you give us, we're going to release it for the regions, the nations, and for your purposes. We're not going to hold back, fill our pockets. doesn't mean we don't get paid. It just means the focus is not about getting paid. The focus is about how can we release what you give for, the, for your advancing of your kingdom. So we've got to shift that mindset, as you know, Chris. And obviously you led a local church yourself. Um, and I think it was a church that was functioning as best as it could as a base. It wasn't a huge church. There were bigger churches around. Uh, but your heart's and intention, you're praying for the nations, and I think that's another key, is a lot of churches are not praying enough, I think. Yeah. What's enough, I don't know, but at least pray. <laughs> for sure. And uh, and I think it's taking ownership in partnership of praying for the nations, praying for the regions, not just praying for your church, yeah. your ministry, your people. Praying for the nations, praying for us as we go, praying for the, the things that God's doing globally. That's part of partnership, and that's part of, any church can do that, whether you're five people or 50,000. Yeah, it's a lot of big churches are focused on praying for their needs rather than the needs of what God's called us to. Uh, you've done that. I mean, your finances. You know, I mean, again, not a perfect church by any means. Let me throw it at you and say, well, since I'm answering something, you are a local church pastor, you know, planted a local church, led it. Obviously, um, now being full time translocal and traveling a lot more with me. Tell me some of the things that maybe from the other side. Of not leading a local church now, looking into local churches. Some yeah. of, and again, not accusations, because we can all point fingers. Sure. <laughs> you're an expert when you're no longer doing it. Yeah. But some thoughts that you maybe could learn now. So, gee, actually, we thought we were, but actually, looking at it, we probably weren't. Or you could see, I don't know. Just share some stuff. Otherwise, yeah. it sounds like I'm the expert and I'm really not. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the key things was prayer. Always and always, no matter what was happening, no matter. You know who called that day with whatever issue things that thing of prayer that connection with God to know that we could at any time any moment individually certainly but corporately come together and call upon God and know that he would move not just on our behalf but beyond us yeah. and to know that through prayer though we were in a small town in, in Orange County California along the coast we could be praying for other ends of the earth and know that God was not only hearing us but working in our togetherness in a, in a sense, building an inheritance. Mm -hmm. And when you're working with people who live locally, and maybe we are their first uh, introduction to the international scope of the Great Commission, prayer is one of the key ways to connect them to it. Right. Because you can say we're praying for India, and we did for years, and then to begin to see the breakthroughs in India, right. and know we got to be a part of that. You know, So I think prayer for, for us was always a heartbeat to us. We always said it was the engine room. And you know, prayer meetings can be the ones where could be me and my wife and our boys, but the significance of prayer isn't based on numbers. The significance right. of prayer is based on faith, right. trusting in God. And I'd say the overwhelming majority of our meetings had more than more than less in regard to people. But I watched the way it changed people and their understanding of God. Their faith for other things right. outside of prayer meetings grew as well. Right. So I think for us, in the sense of being connected to the bigness, we didn't have all the money or all the facilities, but prayer kept us in the loop and made us feel like we could get in there toe-to-toe -to -toe with the biggest of churches for the things of the kingdom. You know, and then of course with finances, giving toward what we could. I remember years ago there was a pastor in, uh, in Africa who was trying to get a bike to travel from village to village, which is get them around quicker, right? And uh, we had the opportunity just to give toward that. Yeah. 
and I know for us as a church, sitting and thinking about the fact that this is a little old black African man who would have walked but now has a bike, and you think it's so insignificant, unimportant, but it wasn't because you realize it got him from village to village quicker into more places, and we got to be a part of that, giving what we could. Right. And then, uh, you know, even in being involved local in the community, we were the only partnering church close to us, but the privilege to take out what we learn, what we know, what we believe scripturally, and in the right way, hopefully, influence the other churches around us, encourage them, letting go of titles uh, that focus on prayer, that focus on the bigger picture rather than just a local thing. We got to feel the actual impact we made. Right. And uh, yeah, and of course, hosting different things, that sort of things. I think probably the biggest thing, though, would be just continuing to urge people to get out and go. Yeah. Um, we thankfully were close to Mexico, and so we could get to Mexico within an hour. It'd take four hours to get back, but an hour to get there. Um, but the privilege to go down and go to a third world country in such a short distance, yeah. you would watch the way it would change people. They would come back with a faith and an excitement for their area that you just can't get by staying home. Right. And you can pray and you can give, and those are absolutely good and essential. But I think the base has to send right. and bring back right. so that people go, go to the nations and bring the nations back. So I think if anything, it would have been to emphasize that all the more and to even save up our own money to take people or send people who couldn't afford it just so they could get out there and see the bigness of what God is doing. Yeah, I mean, just again, it's super exciting. You just, I don't know why anyone would not want to do this or be a part of it, you know, and it's the re right. I think it's the reason we were created. That's why it is so liberating and so envisioning for everyone. And somehow we've possibly bought into the lie that people are too busy and people are, mm -hmm. Don't have enough for themselves. How can we expect? No, no, this is, this is a bigger than us thing. Right. And when you limit God, you limit people. And when you limit people, you lose people. And when you lose people, you lose good people. Yeah. But when you can open your hand and not, and not be silly about this, be strategic and be involved in what God's doing, rather than hoping God's involved in what we're doing, it shifts everything. And it helps bigger people, capacity people, business people, kingdom people to buy in because no longer it's local church focused, it's kingdom focused through local church, right. which has to be adjusted from time to time. And I think when you shift that thinking, the base becomes the base again with heart and intentionality. And, um, and I think there's different ways. If you talk to different guys, they'll tell you what's more important. There are ways and there are things we can learn from each other. We just want to liberate all people and all pastors and say, Build how you feel God's called you to build, but make sure it's biblical. And make sure you're a base, and you've got to settle this in your hearts. And, and, and we've got to keep asking this question, because we don't default away from ourselves. We default to ourselves, right. and about our needs and wants. And when we go through tough seasons, which we all do, or when we hit the wall, perhaps financially, or people leave, or kind of we have to, home base becomes the focus. Those are seasons, but they can't. Be the reason we exist. They've got right. to be adjusted always with big picture. And if I can be bold enough to say, that's why you need translocal ministry. That, that's why, like you say, we need to travel and get out. It just the amount of guys who go and say, gee, it just helped me see beyond my own local and realize that Absolutely. the stuff we're facing, everyone's facing. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing how others are dealing with it and knowing that there's others out there are owning this with us, regardless of the size or the problem of our church. We are seeing things happen, and so it just it it's, inspires us and stirs us. And, and I think as our future is unfolding, and as more of the provision and the fulfillment of this great commission, 
um, I do just want to challenge all of us and say we really need to, in God, including us, make sure we're existing for the benefit of others. And we can't function outside a local church. We believe biblically local church is strategic. Jesus is building his church. Ministry functions out of local church. Um, and so we're not saying replace it. We're saying adjust local churches to focus on the big picture. The king is what matters most. He gives us significance Amen. in everything. Yeah. The reason we exist is to bring glory to Jesus and get his fame and his name to the uttermost parts of the earth and to get the world to see Jesus. Not as some good dude, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's our motivator. And again, if you make Jesus your focus, you will live for beyond yourself. But also we need to be kingdom focused. And, and that's why we're going to shift, not just in language, in understanding. It's not my church's It's the kingdom of God that... The, the, the rule and reign of God that motivates us. And when king and kingdom is what motivates us, we exist for the benefit of others. We shift the focus of our church and we keep on going forward with open hands and watching God bless us as we go forward. So, yeah, that's a major subject. Um, and, and may, I, may I say with um, leading the church, the apostolic partnership was an essential ingredient for, for longevity, for encouragement, for... Wisdom, I mean, that thing of keeping on the biblical course, no matter how hard you try, yeah. you become inward because you, you're dealing day to day with the people, the community, right. the facilities that, you know, as a, as a lead guy, you end up being the contractor, the, the janitor, everything that's needed. And without that apostolic input, it, it was just inevitable to end up looking so inward, you lose sight of things. Mm -hmm. And so for us, every time we could get a guy in, and we try and base it on what the gifting was, you know, we're trying to reach more people, let's get a guy in that's clearly an evangelist, or we really need to unlock the, the things of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic gifts. Um, but it would just open everyone up and broaden us again to get our eyes back out. And um, I think, you know, guys who are leading, don't get in your favorite guy. That's fine. We had friends, and obviously, uh, you know, our relationship was great to have you in. But there were other guys that we needed so to be I wasn't didn't. your favorite or I was your favorite? Well, we won't get there now. I mean, I'll leave that for another time. But... Uh, but having guys in that I honestly didn't know, but I would talk to you and say, hey, we're, we're yeah. facing this, what do you think? And you'd say, yeah. why don't you give this guy a call? Mm -hmm. And through that relationship and trust, we'd have a guy in, and within moments, we were in it together. And the deposit they made into the church was, was essential for that moment, more than we could have realized when we made the invitation. Right. But it kept us on course, kept us in that bigger picture. And then the second part of it was to get our people to the equip times. Um, they can be the big convention, you know, let's go see the big names, but it's, it's never been about that. Right. And getting there, I would watch our people come back and they were excited, they were pumping, we got to do this and this. And obviously you've got to guide that enthusiasm, otherwise it's just all over the place. But to see them stirred, and often hear, and not that I preached everything well, but you'd hear a lot of the same sermons preached, and they come to you after and go, you should preach that, that's right. great. And you just go, eh? that's fine. Because that different voice, that different gift, making yeah. a different deposit in the people, broadens the impact of the church, no matter its size, right. to make the bigger impact it's exactly to right. make. So uh, for us, again, and I'm not pumping NCMI, I'm honestly saying as a guy who led, it was our lifeline at times. There were moments, more than I'd like to say, where it was like, Lord, is it still me? Right. And connecting with you and the guys, and it really breathed life back into us to get our focus on this bigger picture, to know... Our significance wasn't in the outward. It was in doing what God had called us to do right. and being a part of His work and His kingdom into yeah. the nations. Yeah. yeah, so again, I just maybe we can lean into the camera here and just try to land this a little unless we carry <laughs> on. But 
I think, again, if I can just challenge you, me, and us, that we seriously keep our eyes on the big picture. We make sure we are functioning out of partnership with God first. It, it maybe means we have to relook at all that we're doing and just making sure, not changing it, but shifting focus back to it's about Him. Maybe mm. preaching some of that, helping our people see that again. Uh, if we see it, our people also have to see it. It can't just be the leadership, but it starts with us who are leaders. And I'm just being honest with you. I've had to shift some of that again, even in our ranks. This translocal team that exists for that can lose its way. And we've got to keep on coming back saying, we've got to understand, number one, we're partnership, partnering with God. And we better make sure, not that we want to, that we are. So shift it. Not God, are you with us? God, we want to be with you. We want to be for you. We want to be serving your purposes and your plans. The other thing is, is partnership with NCMI. If you are partnering with us or whatever translocal team it is, You've got to have partnership with the translocal team. It's in the Bible. It's not an optional extra for deluxe churches. Yeah. It's God's way. You cannot raise your people to maturity. You cannot um, see the church equipped and obviously be buying into the bigger picture if you're not connected to someone or translocal team that comes in and goes out and puts these things on that you can get to nations and regions. And so, again, if it's part of what we're doing, can I be bold enough to don't get, say, come and say, what can I get? Come in and say, what can we bring? What can, it's not about us. You've got to understand that. We're not about NCMI. We're about the king and the kingdom. But we are a vehicle called NCMI yeah. that God's given 40 years history. Not always been awesome, but it's been God. And we just want to keep it God and keep it functioning in what God intended. And so make sure you partnership and reality and you're buying in and you're getting guys in. And you're, getting, you're praying for us. Pray for the nations. Pray for regions. Take ownership for what God's doing around the world and in your city and in your region. And then thirdly, obviously, our individual partnership with each other in local churches. And we didn't touch a lot on that, but it's strategic because the local church needs to understand every individual in our church, in your church, in the church Jesus is building, has to under, understand they play a vital role right. in making up who that church is. And so when you be a base, you've got to understand every local church has responsibility. Every individual has not just to come and get, but also to come and give the same thing. Um, and you can see that as the, the early church. You can see that in, in the Antioch church. I mean, they were a priesthood of all believers was real. It wasn't an add-on or on their website. It was they operated as priesthood. The gospel was preached. Everyone preached the gospel. They carried responsibility. They owned the mandate from heaven together. They all played a role. Not the same role, but they all played a role. Yeah. And they weren't just takers. They were givers. And if I can just land with these three words, if you lead a local church, I believe it should be obviously centered around Jesus Christ. But get these words in and build according to this, I think, if you're going to be a base. Number one is focus on your gatherings. A local church is called to gather. And so focus on what your gatherings are and the gatherings you have. And, and uh, just understand the need to be together, but don't overwork the people. But also understand the significance of all gatherings and what you're doing in those gatherings and why you gather, and that's important. So gather, secondly, grow. And I wanted to say, for the growing is not just numbers, maturity. And that also will then adjust a lot of what you're doing in your local church to make sure the meetings that you guys are having are actually bringing people to maturity, growth, growing up. Because to grow out, we've got to grow up first. And so maturity, so I mean, no, most people don't talk about, but base churches are focused on maturing yeah, saints good. to bring them to that place, equipping them to be who God's called them to be. So gather, grow, and lastly go. If you don't emphasize the going, you end up gathering and growing up, but you end up splitting and hurting it because there's got to be a release. God's people are called to be released. And 
And I'm not saying they all have to go to the international things, but it's an open-handed, gather, grow, and go. If you get that into your local church, into the heart of the church, and build with, we gather for purpose, we grow together, uh, emphasize why we grow, and maturity, and gifts coming in, and all that, and also going, sending people. Jesus came uh, for the lost, and we can't forget about the lost. Uh, we've got to be open-handed, sending people to go and plant churches, churches planting churches, also sending people into everyday life, equipping them to go and be ministers and missional, living sent, rather than having once a week meetings and hopefully yeah. people will get saved. Now, I know these are obvious, but I don't know if we're intentional enough or even have the heart at times. And in my perspective, just from what we see in Scripture, if we get some of that in us, without trying to be cliche, gather, grow, and go. Local churches, get people involved, find what's in them, what God's doing. Come in, those of you part of local churches, and ask how we can serve and get behind what God's doing. Pastors, make sure you focus on what God's doing and work in partnership with the team and let's all get the job done and let's see more churches become bases and yeah. let's see more base churches being planted in our time and in our season. And so, yeah, we'll be praying for you guys. We trust some of our discussion is helpful. I wouldn't say all of it, but we've had a lot of good time enjoying doing this and I hope it can be helpful for you. And we realize we're some of many who are doing something and, uh, we're just grateful to God for our friendship and our partnership. Thanks for the, the time, Chris, and interviewing and just talking us through this. And God bless you guys. We appreciate you very much. Take care.